Well, let's hear from the skipper. 1983, the man who lifted the FAI Cup for the first time, the first Sligo man, Tony Fagan. While it's a long time ago, maybe it's not such a long time ago, or does it feel like a long time ago in your mind, Tony Fagan? You don't think about it every day, like for the last 40 years. But I mean, since they come up with this idea, my mind's there going back to the, the times that we had all through the years and when we started that cup run as a city like they appointed Paul as, as manager and we weren't the best but we our job that year was to kind of probably stay out of relegation and whatnot and that, like like every team you have an even chance on a, a cup match so it started off as I say with home firm and we won that one nil. And then the next thing was Shamrock Rovers in the quarterfinals. And we beat them 2-1 in the showgrounds. And, and remind me who scored the winning goal against Shams? Well, I happened, we, we, it was 1-1 and it, I think it was about five or six minutes to go. And There's a free kick yes, into the box. And, and there was this fellow was going to take it and that fellow was going to take it. And I said, if you touch that ball, <laughs> so I hit it with the, the, the hole of the west behind me. And it at flew, the shed end. At the shed end, and it flew into the corner of the net. And from there, I mean, we went on to this famous Cove Sligo Rovers matches in the semi final, which was a, a great boost for the players because, as I said before, it, it bonded us together because there was every three games we were nearly playing up and down the Cove and up to, they were back to Sligo and whatnot. So we had much time. I mean, eventually we came after a hard fought. Gus Gilligan got, I think it was an extra time winner here. Now, look, as I said to you, 40 years ago is a long time. But, and then we had only a week to survive to play Bowes in the final. You played in your first FAI Cup final in 1970. So you had to lose a few to win one. Yes, you had. And as I said to you, it was very hard for me to accept that time as a local. Um, because... It, it, it wasn't that Sligo were, were in cup finals every year. I mean, I was years supporting them and i never seen them in a final. So for me to get to a cup final in 1970 was brilliant. And the occasion kind of got to me. It's hard to believe, but I mean, I find it hard that people can play their, their cup finals on their own pitch. And it happened that, look, after three games, they eventually beat us 2-1. But I, I, I took it very hard because I was a local and... Yeah, I understand that. Did you think it wasn't going to happen for you in terms of winning the FAI Cup? Yes, because after losing the 1971 and then the 78, we lost to a, a penalty kick against Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk then was in 81. So, like, my time was running out and you don't stay around for that long and as I say nobody expected us to go to the final that year and eventually we did and people say try and take it, take in everything of the day but I probably can take in something of the, the game the finals I lost but I mean the final that we won I couldn't take anything, anything because the the excitement that we gave the people it was on it was unbelievable I mean, there was thousands on the pitch, and I knew every one of them from all the years supporting the club. 
Do you remember the cup lift itself in the rain at Dillyman Park? Because I think the lid of the cup flew into the air, uh, the well, base it, of the cup flew into the air. It, it did. But so, so we were on the pitch, and what happened was, I think, they were going off to Brussels or someplace for a, a European thing, and they wanted us up. But of course, you couldn't tell that to the Sligo Rover supporters, and we were held back there. And so eventually, we were up. But but I didn't realise that the base was a there was a half a tree in it. <laughs> so when I was lifting it, I was trying to lift this half a tree and a cup. And as I said, you one went one way and the other. So that's what eventually happened. But look, but you got the main bit up in the air, all right. But that was it. And as I said, look, you'd know by the ways I done it that I wasn't used to lifting trophies. But eventually, anyway, look, we got it. And is that finally the best moment of your career? Oh, I'd, I'd say definitely it was because I see nobody expected us to win the game, and everyone. I think on the Saturday, in one of the papers, that they were asking all the, the the ten or eleven managers who was going to win it, and every one of them said Bowes were going to win it. Favorite only one, Patsy McGowan, said, "Me head says Bowes, but me heart says Sligo," and he was the only one. But as I said here, look against all the odds and. On the day we were fair the better team, you know, like we went the goal down as a city. We played them on their home pitch, and we came back with two great goals. And you know, one final word on their two goal scorers that day, who aren't here for the reunion, but they're guys who are a central part of that run: Harry McLaughlin and Tony Stenson. Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the service. I mean, the Stenny gave Stenny came way back in the seventies, you know, like and. He was part of the parcel of the the club, and just before in the first half, then he got a bad injury. Look, it, it was a bad injury. To there was a stud in his leg, yeah. if memory serves me. Yeah, well, there was a, there was a hole in his shin, but that's he should have worn shin guards. And and I Did told, he not wear shin guards? no. And I told him the idea is to give it, put the hole in the other fellow's leg before he gets you. That's the idea of tackling. So, um, but only for James. Tiernan came down and he said, Stenny, look, you'll be okay. He patched him up. He just patched him up and that's all Stenny needed. Because, I mean, dim days, there was no injections or anything. So you just put a strapping on it and you went out and played. And what about Harry McLaughlin's Harry, goal? Well, Harry is, was an exceptional player. He got great goals in semi-finals for us and whatnot against Waterford in 81, I think, as well. And Harry was that type of a player. And... He, we, I expect, I didn't expect him to, to get that, but I mean, the ways he done it, you know, like, I mean, it, it was definitely that's where Harry is, you know, special. Well, two men here with me now: Mick Ferry and Martin McDonnell from 1983. When I say 40 years ago, Mick Ferry, does it make you feel old? Certainly does. Trying to remember can be a bit of a problem, <laughs> but no, all memories are good. Uh, when you just come here and you see the faces at the moment, like, you know, it brings it all back to you. And well, just to see everybody here, it's, it's great, like, you know. I'm glad to hear your Donegal accent hasn't changed. You're living in Ballybuffet. You were Donegal born and bred. But the Sligo Rovers chapter for you was very special. It certainly was. Uh, as I said, back in 81, as I didn't realise, coming from Donegal, how much playing for Sligo meant because there were a lot of Donegal dairy players playing that time. But in 83, it was totally different, like, you know, it was uh, the atmosphere around the town and around the hospital where I worked. 
it was all talk about the football, the cup final. Everybody wanted to talk to you out in the street. You know, it was unreal at the time, like you know. So again, it's just the memories of them things that come back to you. you remember lots of things when you, you know. So. And as one of the senior members of the team, how did you feel about young whippersnappers? Like maybe you weren't the senior member, but you know what I mean. How did you feel about the young whippersnappers like Martin McDonald trying to break their way into the starting eleven? We needed them. <laughs> to do the running for us. <laughs> Martin, what was it like for you coming into this team? Like you were, what, just going 20, well, breaking into the Sligo Rovers team, or had you been there for a while beforehand? Well, I'd, I'd, well I was only 20 that, 20 that year, but I'd been with Patsy McGowan, brought me in two years before that, and I'd been in and out of the team up to that. But uh, Patsy had left then, and Paul obviously took over. I got a more, a longer run, because he took obviously some of the players back to Donegal with him that time, you know? But it was um, it's eighty three was probably one of those occasions in your life where you you just never forget, you know you'll forget it for a while. But somebody somebody in the town would always say to you about you won the cup in eighty three, yeah, you know, you know. And at times people would say, well, you won the cup in ninety four, and I said I did, yeah, in eighty three as well. But oh, you're there in eighty three, yeah. So look, it's you know. Yeah. Mick, when you think back about it now, what was the secret of this team's success? Because the, the league wasn't going brilliantly, but the was why did it click with the cup? Do you think? I, as I always said, it was down to the four matches against Cove. They really hardened us up because Cove were a more experienced team than we were. They had hardened professionals playing with them, so uh, every game we played on them was real tough, and we had to show character to come back. The two games we did come back in. And uh, it was never over till the last kick of the game, more or less, you know. But uh, eight and four matches brought us all together, camaraderie in, it, in the group then. And after one in against Cove, the th- our belief was that nobody was going to stop us now, not even Bose, who were at that time one of the best teams in the league, had the best players. Nobody thought that Sligo were going to win it, not even, the, I suppose, the... the what would I say, the Sligo Rover supporters, we hoped that they would win it, but in the end up we did win it, and uh, again, I put it back to the four matches against Cove, was a the, was the factor. Do you still have your winner's medals? Yes, uh, I knew. I used to know where they are, I don't know where they are now. <laughs> but they're somewhere there. They're somewhere in the house, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And are you sentimental about football memorabilia, Mick? Well, I like to keep stuff, I have the the medals from before I give uh, two jerseys away and the cup finals to the to the club to the to the heritage group yes. uh, that I was w- a nice touch yeah I was, I was up here at the Ballotown match yeah. I presented them so it was a lovely occasion because the people here appreciated you know I appreciated having them but they're going to lie in an attic somewhere at home so I decided to hand them over to the yeah. to the, the heritage group for the younger generation finally make listening to this programme, they know a bit about Martin McDonnell. As a nine-year-old, I always remember you as kind of one of the Rovers' hard men in 83. Was that an accurate description? Probably hard but fair. <laughs> not, not, a, not a Fago-type player. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was never booked. <laughs> uh, but is it lovely to be part of the first Sligo Rovers team to lift the cup? Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, the first is probably, well, the first is the best. I mean, I, you know, 83 was the one for me. We, I won in 94, but 83 is the one that I talk about and that I remember more, you know, more off. So, look, I mean, the homecoming in 83 was just, 
there was no mobile phones that time, like, you know, and there was only a few stations on the telly you could get that time as well. But the crowd that, you know, that we received, the homecoming we received, was just something you'd live for forever. You look fit enough, guys, that you could chance a five-a-side on the Sean Fallon Centre turf here, could you? Looks can be deceiving. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might talk out and the movement might be slow, but the walking football, we might try it. <laughs> but no, it's still good to be... Good to be here and be able to talk about things and reminisce with the rest of the boys here. And as Martin says, we we're part of history, and that's the thing that that's that's great about it. Like you know, you can go anywhere in Sligo and people remember you and want to talk to you about '83. So it's great to be able to come back and talk about things like that. This is Chris Rutherford, centre half on the '83 team, the partner in crime with. Tony Stenson, or I always put Chris Rutherford and Tony Stenson together, and because of 83, I probably still do. Do you? Um, yeah, I love playing with Stenny, I and mean, I like playing with Davey Pugh, who's another great player, you know, but he's, he was a little bit years on, so he was, you know, so it was myself and Stenny then, and we got a good partnership. He was all left foot, I was all right foot, and it worked. Uh, it's only when I listen back to the 83 commentary, I forgot you got injured early on in that final. I did. I, we have so many games against Cove, Cove Ramblers, like things where my knees were getting a bit stiff and whatever, and I was really struggling after 18 minutes with my left knee, and I said, well, just a waste of time staying here. It was a fella called G- Jackie Jameson. Yeah, he was their star turn. Start playing. I said, no, not. I hope hell of me being able to look after them and stop them from scoring. And was that hugely frustrating, having to go off at Dailyman Park in the cup final? Um, it was disaster, but I knew in my heart that I was helping the players by going off. Because Paul Field had come on and he could do the job much better than I could with a dodgy knee. Okay. <laughs> and you had done the work by helping Rovers get to the final, by scoring more than once in that semi-final uh, four-game extravaganza with Cove. Yeah, well, that's, there's, there's goods and bads in it. Like, you know, we're playing the four matches. That damaged me knee. We're playing the four matches. We got just to the final. Yeah, so yeah. You, you have to take it one way or another. Yeah. I mean, uh, you don't compare 77 and 83, but inter- when you're looking back on your highlights with this club, where do you rank the 83 success? Um, but the real big success was me was the 77. Yeah. You know, and that, that'll always be top of the top of the Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but the cup one was special too. Oh, it's very special because it's the first time we won it, so it's, you know, it was a great achievement, and there was local players in the team, and, you know, good good management, great supporters. So it was a real, real um, happy time in my life. Yeah, yeah. And you guys got on pretty well. I mean, you'd keep in touch with some of these 83 teammates, would you? I would, and, and, and you know, the longer it goes on, you know, the first 10 years you're on the phone regular, regular, yeah. this is happening, that's happening, and then gradually, gradually, but it's great to see it now, like, yeah. like some great mates like Graham Fox and yeah. Paul Field, and, you know, we're all together, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's nice to be part of that first cup winning team. Ah, special, really special, yeah. It's delighted for the supporters, the best supporters that I would have played under anyway. (laughs) And of course you're one of the guys who never left Sligo, you made Sligo your home, so you've become invested in this club over the last 40 years. Well, well, staying in Sligo, to me it's given me a really, really, really good life. You know, I married married a lovely Sligo girl and with three lovely children together, so I'm as happy as anybody in the world. 
Well, this is one of the Sligo Rovers 1983 Cup winning heroes at the back and a man who had lots of experience going into that campaign, Graham Fox. When you think back 40 years on, Graham, are the memories still vivid or has time changed things? Um, times, times have changed massively, as, as everyone knows. But uh, no, the memories will never go away because uh, even even not only the cup run, even before in the mid-70s when, when I was uh, living in Sligo, the Sligo people have always been absolutely fantastic towards me. They've treated me really well and I couldn't speak highly enough of them. It's, it's been fantastic to be associated with Sligo. There are probably some Sligo Rovers supporters, if you say Graham Fox, they have to think for a second, but if they say Foxy, they know straight away who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, I've always been known as Foxy, and it's, 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 it's uh, like I said before, it's very humbling uh, the way that the supporters have treated me, and I couldn't thank them enough. What brought you to Sligo Rovers in the first place? Uh, I was at Cardiff City and they decided to release a lot of the, the pros there and Billy Sinclair at the time uh, was just uh, took over at Sligo Rovers and uh, he approached me and Chris Rutherford and it was actually through John McClelland, the Northern Ireland Rangers Leeds legend, uh, he was from Portadown and it was him that the connection with and we decided to come over had a look around Sligo and we played in a friendly against Celtic uh, at the showgrounds here and the people treated us that well we just decided to give it a go and Chris has been here since and I've just been up the road in Ballymena ever since okay lovely lovely and the 1983 cup run what do you think was the key to that when you look back on it now? Um, obviously, uh, the comradeship was extremely good, a great set of lads, and basically, we just we, we, we were never going to accept defeat until the final whistle, if it was ever going to happen. And we knew, with the Cove Ramblers episodes, we knew we were going to win it. We felt we felt that way. That was the making of the team, was it? We felt that way. We felt so strong, we're going to win this. And to go to Bohemians' own patch and to beat them on their own patch, that's, like I say, unforgettable times. And 40 years on, finally, is it nice to be able to reconnect with some of your old teammates? It's fantastic. It's, there's quite a few times that uh, I've come down to Sligo and, and met up with one or two of the lads here and there and it's great to see them and uh, like I say, to go over old times and hopefully everybody's going to keep well and healthy and looking forward to the match tonight. This is Joanne Stenson, daughter-in-law of Stenny and granddaughter Amber. Well, Joanne, what is it like to see some of your dad-in-law's old teammates back together again? Do you know what? It's really lovely to see them all in the one spot. Um, talking about the memories has brought back, I suppose, a lot of joyful moments for them all. Um, it's just great to see them all together and be in the one spot. 
we're privileged to be in the same room as them all. You're living off tales of 1983, I'm sure. Indeed, yes, yeah. Um, love hearing the stories, love hearing back and watching the video clips of the, the goals Jenny scored. Um, it's just amazing to be, to be part of the, the whole bigger picture now, I suppose, and the, the story that made history all those years ago. I was only, what, maybe four or five, but um, little did I know that that legend was going to be my father-in-law one day. Well, he was one of the legends, not just of that season, but of this club, Tony Stenson, and not just because of the goal, the equaliser in the cup final, but the partnership he had at the back with Chris Rutherford. And how aware were you of that growing up? Do you know, my dad, Lord of Mercy, and him was a big fan of the Rovers, and I, he would have come to some of the, the matches as well. But um, I probably wasn't that aware, yeah. you know, back then. I was too young and probably, you know, more you grew into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but over the years, I came, started coming myself. But um, it wasn't in the later years until I met Mark that the whole realisation of who Tony Stenson was and what he did for the town and county and Slagger Rovers yeah. became a reality. And um, yeah, over the years, we've just, um, I've been honoured to call on my father-in-law, come into the showgrounds, his face on the wall there in the, the museum, and on the back, the pet stop. I know it's gone now, but it was like... To see his face there with Harry McLaughlin, the two yes. goal scorers. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And um, Amber played a game here last year, in the Community Games final, and she said, she made the comment that every so often she'd look at the back wall and, and get a bit of um, you know, inspiration. Motivation. Yes, yeah, yeah. from Tony's face. Why not? But yeah, it's yeah. Well, Amber Stenson is, is Tony's granddaughter. I hear you're a good player, Amber. Is that true? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Will Granda talk to you about the goal he scored at 83? Sometimes. Yeah. He's proud of it, I'd say, is he? Yeah. But you must like looking back at it on, on YouTube, do you, and seeing it now and again? It's nice to look at it and say, that's my granddad doing that. There's, yeah. not, there's not many Sligo Rover supporters who have a granddad who scored a goal in the cup final. <laughs> that's a nice claim to fame to have. Yeah. Would you like to score one maybe for the Sligo Rovers women's team one, one of these days? Yeah. <laughs> she plays centre-back as well, so she's following in granddad's. All oh, right, OK. Are you as loud and as vocal as he was on the pitch? Yeah. <laughs> You're carrying on a proud tradition. Finally, Joanne, do you think Tony would enjoy a gathering like this, you know, sharing the tales? I'm sure he still talks about it at home and the memories come flooding back. Yeah, I know, he does, and he's disappointed that he's not here tonight sharing in the, the memories with everybody. But yes, from time to time we, we'll get an old story that he might remember and tales of the trips coming back from Dublin and maybe not getting to work the following day. For, but um, yeah, no, he, he would be disappointed, but he would have loved to have been here with everybody else yeah, and sharing the memories and living, reliving them all again. Yeah, definitely. Let's have a word with two more of the men of 83, Gus Gilligan who scored some very important goals that season in 83 and other seasons and also the player manager that season, the man who led Sligo Rovers to their first ever FAI Cup success and that's Paul Fielding. Does it feel like 40 years ago, Paul? Uh, if you had a photograph of me now, yeah, it looks like 40 years anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, time passes quick as I said before. Um, you know, the previous 40 years the club hadn't won anything and the 40 years since there's been a lot of success. So. It's great to be a part of that since, yeah. Yep. You still look fit enough you could do a job in a five-a-side match. 
Yeah, well, I did bring my boots, but I don't think they're that stuck today, you know, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I would still kind of keep myself fit, yeah, play a bit of golf, whatever, yeah. Is it nice to reconnect with some of your former teammates here at Sligo? Oh, yeah, it is, just old memories, though, just talking over, you know, some things you can't repeat, but I mean, uh, generally just saying what a good time you had, but I think football back then was far more enjoyable. It wasn't so much um, science or rigidity about it, you know, so um, it's more like free spirits, you know, that's what we were, yeah. Well, let's try and share some of the broadcastable stories from 1983. Um, Gus Gilligan, I remember that season vividly because it's the team, I was nine years of age, and so you, you, you absorb everything that's happening, and I remember the league wasn't going brilliantly, and some of the wags on the terrace are saying, this isn't the great Sligar Rovers team, and yet there was a feeling about the cup and if this team got up ahead of steam something might happen I'm wondering in the dressing room did you guys have that sort of feeling as well well yeah that that season was a bad season for us but we we all uh, uh, got together in the cup runs now I was out injured for most of that season with a cartilage operation and things like that but I came back towards the end as people know with Cove Ramblers but uh, yeah they we had a very bad season with the league and uh, but the cup run uh, was great. I think it was Drogheda. I think we was the first game, and then uh, was it Sh- home farm. no home farm. Oh, sorry home farm sorry, and then was it Sham yes. Sham Sham, and then when we won that, we knew we were on a, a, a good path. And after that, you know, it's it's history. You know, we we met Cove Ramblers four replays, which is unheard of. It was more like a cup final as well. You know, with Cove Ramblers as well, and then up to. To Daily Mount and Bohemians, you know, we came back um, with cup winners. It was, uh, you know, first time I didn't realise, you know, the, the power that that cup had. And this is 40 years later and we're still talking about it, you know. I remember being behind the wire, the second replay, and Cover 2-0 up. And, you know, the place is packed, but we seem to be in all sorts of trouble. Chris Rutherford to the rescue and Gus Gilligan to the rescue. Correct, yeah, Chris got two amazing goals with his head and then the third goal happened to be a header as well but uh, that third goal that went in, we knew Sligo Rovers, uh, their name was on the cup So, and that's what's happened 40 years later, you know But that must be a very special moment for you to score the match winner that day It was that day, you know um, You know, it was one of these things that I'd come back from injury and Paul, the manager, asked me, Gus, he says, I'm going to put you on, do your best. And that's what I did. And that's why they signed me, because I was a goal scorer and just happened to have a lucky, a lucky day. Yeah, okay. uh, it certainly it wasn't just a lucky day, no, a special no, day. Special Paul Feeling, as manager of the time, and you were player manager too, so you had to make the call on when to play yourself. And, you know, there were key moments where that really worked a treat. You also had to stick Gus Gilligan back together with bits of sellotape, Chris Rutherford the same. How did you put it all together from memory? Well, no, just Gus just said uh, um, that the season didn't really go to plan with regard to uh, staffing. I mean, we were on a limited budget and Gus got injured very early in the season and he was formed a striking partnership with, with Andy Elliott. And I think if Gus would have been fit for the whole season, we'd have finished much further up the league. And then them days, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a big squad like you have today. I mean, I think 14 or 15. Because of, because of the budget, you know, so, and then going back to his surgery, we, we, we got the best we could for him, but even now, nowadays, he'd be back a lot quicker. So it just came back at the right time for us, yeah, yeah. I have to ask you about one other player too, because he didn't always start, but he often came on, and he came on and did some crucial things at crucial moments, 
and that was Mick Graham, Paul Fielding. Um, how did he become part of this Rovers team? Well, my, my we didn't. There's no agents back then. There's only James Bond, I think. <laughs> um, so I used to, I used my contacts in England, who I played with. You know, I was playing for Rochdale. I my my contacts there in the coaching fraternity. And Andy Elliott and Mick Graham were, were recommended to me. And Mick, uh, what was said about Mick is that, you know, he's a box player. You know, you get on the end of things, you'll finish things off as a goal scorer, you know. So that's where he came in. And, you know, then again, he scored, he, he rescued us in the first game away to Cove. And I think he got one again in one of the other games. So he was always there or thereabouts. And um, in the cup final, then I was involved. Um, get, I had to go on because Chris, Chris was injured. And then Mick was the only fella on the bench. And I suppose in hindsight, you know, when you're involved in the game, if I was still on the bench, I probably would have put him on, you know. Gus. But anyway, you know, it worked out okay. We saw it through, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guys, as you look back now, I mean, you know, life has changed. Football has changed. We're all getting a bit older. You have son grandson here tonight with you Gus the, the, the three generations of the Gilligans are here tonight correct which correct. kind of is a nice little ah, symmetry it's, it's, with your yeah, yeah, time no. in Sligo and uh, yeah John Jonathan my son and Noah my grandson there you know they wouldn't miss this for love or money you know the, the, they said dad oh my god you know 40 years later and you're still around like you know <laughs> nice as I am and hopefully for another 40 years but uh, yeah it's a great uh, it's a great um, day for us and uh, a great day for Sligo Rovers. And I know finally, Paul, you guys did lots of other things in your football career. You were in the Irish League and across the water very successfully. But I mean, this retains a special place in your own career. When you look back on the things you've won or the big matches you've played in or teams you've managed, this has got to rank highly. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, um, the Deputy Mayor in, the, you know, said about um, Sligo, the people in Sligo have always welcomed us. You know, and um, from day one here, you know, I mean, maybe it's because, you know, we had some good results early on. We won the league 66, 76, 77. From then on, you know, I said they took us to the hearts and, you know, we're part of our fabric now, yeah. Well, this is George Chadda, the son of Johnny Chadda. George, I'm wondering, what do you think your dad would make of a reunion like this, the 83 team? Well, I think he would be very happy to be here um, the, the 1983 FA I Cup win was really a very special time in his life. Um, why, lived, so, why so? Well, he lived for Sligo Rovers. It was in his DNA, part and parcel of who he was, right up to the time of his death. Um, and that, you know, that success was very, very sweet for him. I suppose what's, what's rare is sweet and he certainly was a very, very happy man on that day and really he enjoyed every minute of it. I think the other end of that really is it was a temporary reprieve from the financial situation that prevailed at the time. Um, the league run wasn't great. The cup run was very special and brought in revenue, particularly the games with Cove Ramblers. And for people who were fundraising day to day, week to week, to keep the club alive, it certainly gave them a short reprieve and really a well-deserved rest. But certainly the first cup win was 
very, very sweet, and he certainly, you could see he's at home in terms of his demeanour, his happiness, the enjoyment, and actually the enjoyment of the family as a whole really, was yeah. really very uplifting and upbeat for a long time afterwards. It did transfix the entire town. And even though he wasn't a player, he was an administrator. So you got a sense firsthand what it meant to him to win the cup at last. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Austin, when you're working hard, you're committed to the club, your love is for that club. You're doing what you can in order to bring success on the pitch. And the only way you could bring success on the pitch is by making sure that you have the finances off the pitch in order to um, to sustain you know the wages that players need at the, or were getting at that time so when you see all of that come to fruition with the success of winning the FAI cup you'll hold it for a very very long time because you just don't know when the next one will come or if it will come there are so many distinctive Sligo Rovers voices, George, but surely your dad's is the most distinctive of them all to this day. For the UCD game this weekend, it's his voice we hear when the teams go out the players' tunnel. That must be a lovely sound legacy for the Chada family all these years later. It's great to hear his voice at all the home games and we're very grateful to Sligo Rovers Football Club and his fans for recognising him in that way and keeping him alive really in the showgrounds, which it does. And I'd say little did he think that that would ever happen, but it really is a wonderful gesture on behalf of everybody that his voice is heard um, on match days. And particularly, it gets very emotional for me on European nights, or European nights, particularly, I think, the success we had under Paul Cook and the European Games I mean for to see the stadium full to actually experience the atmosphere the buzz and to think of the hard times that were there many many years ago in particular when he was there back in eight, prior to 83 and indeed him and many others who did a lot of fundraising it really is a, a very emotional experience when people look back at 83 and they go for archive footage, they'll invariably hunt down your report, reports from 83 and this cup run. In a, in a way, was that one of the best stories you got to do because it was your hometown club? Well, it was bigger than that because I had started going out with a girl from Cork. Uh, so I was up and down uh, covering the Cove Ramblers matches. And I married because of it, you know. We got married that year, uh, you know, when we got lucky against Cove. Uh, and then when we won the cup final, we said this has to be a sign from the stars. But like, I was there. I'll never forget Mick Graham's goal because uh, he went up. There was a Eddie Henry used to support a, a fellow who played in the World Cup for Sweden at the time called Kinvall. Uh, and Mick went up in the air and he headed this ball. Oh, he was up in the sky, bang, equaliser. 
And I remember coming back up the road with my father, with Shawnee Hart, with Ed McMorrow on the car, and we sang no 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 the whole way up until we landed in Sligo in time to watch the highlights. And then of course there were uh, there were four games. And then the final itself. Do you remember the day? It was manky. And uh, like Stenny's goal was remarkable, like the skill involved in it. And Harry's will there be a better goal mm. scored? And the fact that he was one of the McLaughlins, yeah. one of the townies, uh, in what's a garrison town that Harry stuck it in, it just and Fago lifting the cup, like it was fantastic. It was and you're right about um, the trip to Cahanies. Um was a producer in Ireland's eye uh, called um, John Blackman and uh, he understood uh, what was happening in terms of community and he got the resources and oh, I'd, I'll never forget the fun in Cahanny's pub um, and Anne and Thunder and um, sure it was like we were kings of the world then weren't we? It transfixed the town, though. I was only nine, but I have this memory. It just gripped even people who weren't into soccer. They got into this. Yeah, it did, because I suppose the saga of Cove Ramblers, I think maybe gave it that added spice, because they were very much like us. You know, I met fellas today who were able to tell me that there was a train, Austin, in 1983, from Cove to Sligo. Went into Cork, went up and they did some magic between Euston and Connolly and kept the train moving. So it must have been a six and a half hour run. Imagine, you can't do it now. So that was part of the beauty of it. And we had beaten Shamrock Rovers in the run. And then to get to a cup final, and in some ways we felt our exhausted and that they found the energy in the piddling rain uh, to win. And, and of course, like Fago, there's no one more Sligo Rovers than Tony Fagan and here we are at an occasion like this and who walks in if you want to get a sense of what Sligo is about I saw it here tonight a girl walked in and she's the daughter of Ken Turner who came here in the late 60s he was on Tony Bartley's team Bartley left Ken Turner took over and you know that was the time of Brooks and Walker and here's this girl and the reason why she comes from Barnsley is because her godfather was Porrick Burke, who was with the club until he died, you know, doing, keeping the locks oiled, fixing bits and pieces around the club. And while her father was here, he asked Porrick to stand for his child. And here she is. She saw on Facebook that Porrick had died. She got in touch with Mary McGowan. And she walks in to the showgrounds with her husband. Her name is Tracy Williams, living in Barnsley. And she walks in because part of her father's DNA is here. And she comes back to be reunited on this occasion. Like it's, this is such a magic place. My dad just said how when he moved to Sligo, how um, the people in Sligo made it so friendly for him and welcoming, and he made a lot of fond memories. Obviously, I've neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which made it all the sweeter. Did he enjoy managing Sligo Rovers? He did, yes, yeah. And again, I've got his memories by all his little clippings and things like that. Yeah, yeah. he did. And you're holding the History of Sligo Rovers book by the Sligo Heritage Group, and your dad's name features prominently in there. I think it does, yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Who knows, maybe you get a mention, who knows, but uh, that's nice and memento to have. It is, it is. 
more memories I can keep of Dad, I'm going to keep doing, yeah, yeah, definitely. He loved football, did he? He loved football. Right till he had to pack in when his knees packed in, yes, <laughs> he did, yeah. As happens all great footballers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you play at all, Tracy? No, no. My brother did, but not me, yeah. And you listen to the stories, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, lovely to see you here in Sligo. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing defines my life uh, better than than the Sligo Rovers thing. Uh, if I'd say, if, as a fundraiser, we were to start allowing people to have their ashes. Uh, left here in the showgrounds you know there'd be quite a rush you know there'd be a hill pretty soon because this is where it's at so many of our memories are here and at the moment uh, I'm involved with the club trying to get the money uh, to develop for the next generation and like it's a hard enough job it's about 1.9 million out to run the club every year and you see the bigger gates with all the other clubs as well the League of Ireland is taking off we have no sugar daddy we have no major sponsor we can't sell the ground so we're going to be depending on the state so in the discussions we're having with the different government agencies all we say is come and just get a sense of the showgrounds 12 acres in the centre of the town just feel the love there's for the place uh, and you realise that for us this place defines us and in my work in life beyond my work in life this is this is the emotional nerve center of of us this is our beating heart